Praise the Lord. What a privilege it is to be the sons and daughters of the Most High. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord under the ministry of the word and the worship, the morning and evening sacrifice. We know our place. Our place on Sunday, the Lord's day, is the Lord's house. Well, tonight, prove your weapons. Prove your weapons. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to destroy the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. We can't destroy the devil. One day he'll be in the lake of fire. We can't destroy the devil, but we can destroy the works of the devil as the power of God is in our lives and manifested through us. Let's begin with Judges chapter 3, 1 to 4. Prove your weapons. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel, to test, to prove Israel by them. Even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know them to teach them war. To teach them war. The Bible says to teach them war. God wants to teach us war. The generations of the children of Israel might know. Those that had not known the former wars, but God said, there are enemies. I want to teach you war. At least such as before knew nothing thereof. Every generation needs, how, needs to learn how to war. Every generation needs to dig wells. Out of the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There's a well to be dug in this earth, in this dust, in this vessel of clay. But every generation as well must learn how to war, to teach them war. Namely, five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon even unto the entering in of Hamath. And they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. God comes to teach every generation how to war. Now, not everybody comes under the discipline. Not everybody comes under the training, but some do. And we're in the house tonight. We want to be skillful warriors. Can you imagine what we would be if the Lord didn't teach us to war? We'd still be spiritual weaklings easily overcome by the enemy, easy prey for the powers of darkness, easy and quick to fall into temptation, but the Lord has come and he's, he's teaching us to war. He's teaching us about the weapons of our warfare. I think it's true that we are tentative and timid until we are tested and we triumph. And then we know that our weapons hold and that our armor is sufficient and we can overcome in the day of battle against our lives. Every thought, every suggestion, every feeling, every emotion, every lie, every whisper of the enemy that we know we can overcome. We've proven our weapons. Look at David's men, his army. They all started out in the dreaded 3D, in distress, in debt, and discontented with life, but they were formed into a mighty army of God that established the will of God in their land. 1 Samuel 22, 
Verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. This was their start. In distress, in debt, discontented with life, no purpose, 400 men. Then we read 600 men. And then we read that thousands and tens of thousands began to gather to David over the years of the establishment of the kingdom until they became, the Bible says, like the army of God. The body of Christ is to become an army of God. No matter where we started, no matter what we faced in the beginning, God wants to teach us how to war so we can become part of the great army of God and overcome. First Chronicles 12:22 says, for, that time, for at that time they came to David day by day to help him until it was a great army, like the army of God. Beyond the army of David, like the army of God. These people were not only geared up with weapons and armor, they had a spirit of faith. They had a kingdom conquest in them. They had the zeal and fire of God burning in them that God could accomplish something through their lives. It was like the army of God. They were geared up. They were weaponed up. They were skillful. They trained themselves. They disciplined their lives until they could be apt warriors for the kingdom of God. Let's read about them in 1 Chronicles 12, 1 to 2. Now these were the men who came to David at Ziklag while he was still a fugitive from Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men, helpers in the war, armed with bows, using both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows with the bow. Now that's some training. You can look around every any corner and have an advantage against the enemy. They were of Benjamin, Saul's brethren. First Chronicles 12:8. Some Gadites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty men of valor, men trained for battle, who could handle shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions, and were as swift as gazelles on the mountains. Verse 32, of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, spiritually alert, discerning, to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. Of Zebulun, there were 50,000 who went out to battle, expert in war, with all weapons of war. With all weapons of war. Expert in war. With all weapons of war stout-hearted men who could keep ranks of Naphtali, 1,000 captains, and with them 37,000 with shield and spear, of the Danites who could keep battle formation, 28,600 of Asher, those who could go out to war, able to keep battle formation, 40,000 men of unity, people of loyalty, of the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh from the other side of the Jordan, 120,000 armed for battle with every kind of weapon of war. Hallelujah. This is the army of God. 
God says, I'm going to leave some enemies in the land, Israel, because I have to teach every generation how to war. Every son, every daughter, every teenager, every adult, every father, every mother, everyone in the kingdom has to learn how to war. And I pray that these scriptures we've just read would get into our spirit, stout-hearted, valiant, all kinds of weapons of war, men of might, men of unity and loyalty. This is the kingdom of God. This is the army of God, the body of Christ, the army of the Lord. 1 John chapter 2, 12 to 14. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Children, young men, fathers. The young men are those who have the word of God. They have learned how to overcome the wicked one. They've proven their weapons of war and know that they are sufficient for them in the battle they face. I write unto you, young men, because you are strong. They allowed the Spirit of God to strengthen them and the Word of God to strengthen them, and the Word of God was so alive in them that they overcame the wicked one. They overcame the temptation and trial. Look at our children. Look at our children and our youth. The Lord is teaching them how to war. Those of us who have come through that part of the war know how grueling it can be. We know how strong the pull of the flesh is, and rebellion, and self-will, and independence, and waywardness in our own heart, because God let us see it in our lives. We know how strong the attraction can be to the world, and the peer pressure, and the crowd. Our children are at war. Our new Christians are at war. Our youth are at war. And those of us who understand it know how to come alongside them and lift their spirit and encourage them. <laughs> lift those flagging spirits. Lift them when the battle is on them and their emotions are down and their spirit is down. The Bible says, do not exasperate your children lest they become discouraged. So we must be wise and discerning to know where people are, what they're facing. Maybe not to judge and condemn and correct so quickly, but to say, hey, we're going to lift you up. We know the battle. You need to become stronger. You've got to prove your weapons. You can overcome the enemy. Little children are so delightful, aren't they? Playing and coloring and running around and goofing off and laughing. But you watch a few years go by and all of a sudden you see a seriousness begin to settle on their lives. I have seven grandchildren and I can see it. 
all of a sudden things change. And there are some points of character development that are at war on their lives. And there are some decisions that have to be made against worldliness and carelessness. And the Lord is teaching them how to war. The Lord's teaching them how to war so they can overcome because life gets more demanding as you come out of childhood. And the stakes are high. And the mistakes of sin and rebellion can be very costly. And so God teaches them to war. Every generation, every generation, if you're a young person in the house, whoever you are in the house tonight, whatever you're facing, God's trying to teach you how to war, to show you that your armor is sufficient, that you can overcome in the day of battle, that you can prove your weapons and know they hold in the day of temptation and trial. Fathers and mothers in Israel, been through a lot of battles, a few nicks in the sword, polish it out in the prayer room. Make bright your arrows. Make bright your glittering spear. And you know how. Because you've been there many times. We get in the armory and we know how to get the weapons we need for the battle. And so we war and we fight. And we're seasoned to some degree. We're still always vigilant. No trust in the flesh. I know that in my flesh dwells no good thing, the Apostle Paul said. Well, if he said that, how much more do I have to say that? In my flesh life, in myself dwells no good thing. I need the Lord. No matter how many battles I've won, how often I've proven my weapons, I am as dependent on God in this battle as any I've ever been in the past. Vigilant at all times. But there's something about that history in your life with God. You know the weapons can stand. You know the armor will hold. I love the story of Abner. In 2 Samuel 2, Abner was the captain of the host of Israel. Israel was still under the lingering kingdom of Saul, fighting for supremacy, but the kingdom of David was coming, and David had a captain called Joab. Joab had two brothers, but the younger brother's name was Azahel. He was just a young warrior, but Abner was a captain. How many want to be a captain? Only proven lives stand there. So there was a very fierce battle, 2 Samuel 2, 17 that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. Now the three sons of Zariah were there, Joab and Abishai and Azahel. And Azahel was as fleet of foot as a wild gazelle. So Azahel pursued Abner, and in going he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, are you Azahel? He answered, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left and lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. Abner says, Young man, turn aside, turn around. Don't try and prove your valor with me. I'm an experienced warrior. Don't try and get a name for yourself by coming against me. Take out a younger man, take his armor. 
says, I don't want to take your life. You're not proven enough to fight with me. Captains fight with captains. This young Azahel Abner looked behind him, and here he was, gaining ground, closing in. He was swift on his foot on a gazelle. Abner turned back, but he wouldn't. Or Azahel wouldn't. But Azael would not turn aside from following, so Abner said again to Azael, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear. He didn't want to put it, take him out. But in the end, he had no choice. So the spear came out of his back, and he fell down there and died on the spot. Abner, what a warrior. Seasoned, experienced. He knew he could handle himself in the day of battle. And young men, we need to train, and we need to grow, and we need to be seasoned by the Lord so we can stand in the day of battle without fear and be captains in Israel, people that carry the kingdom in their heart and make a difference in the house of God. Genesis 49, 9. Judah is a lion's whelp, a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Three stages. A lion's cub, a baby lion, then a teenage lion, and then a veteran lion. Judah from the tribe of praise. Well, our Lord is from the tribe of praise. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we have his spirit in our lives. Judah is a lion's whelp. The people of praise, they start out as lion's cubs. You just play around the den and bat each other around a little bit. But things get serious. Teenage lions. They got to learn to go to war, take out the enemy, take the prey. And then it shows the picture of an old lion seasoned in warfare who will rouse him up. He's got victories. She's got victories behind her. And there's a strength in them. I want to say tonight, prove your weapons. Prove your weapons. Get to the armory of the word of God and load up your life with spiritual weapons. Load up your life with the Word of God. We can't fight with other people's armor. We have to fashion armor for ourselves. Every person has to fashion their armor for themselves. Now, our armor will be similar because it's the armor of God and it's the weapons of God that we carry. But yet, each one has to be crafted personally to fit our life in the Spirit with God. David came to the battlefield in 1 Samuel 17. David and Goliath, verse 34, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. 
David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor. And he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. <clears throat> and David girded his sword upon his armor and attempted to go. Saul's armor. <clears throat> Saul's armor worked for Saul when he wore it properly and he was in a right relationship with God. <clears throat> but it wasn't for David. David hadn't proven these weapons. <clears throat> David hadn't proven this armor. He said, I can't chance it against the enemy. I have to go with weapons I have proved. And David put them off him. <clears throat> and David put them off him, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook <clears throat> and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. Notice, it doesn't say, David saying to the Goliath, you come to me with a sword and spear and shield, but I come to you with a sling and a stone. He knew the sling and stone were nothing without the power of God behind it. <clears throat> and our weapons are no different. It's not a mechanical exercise when we use the weapons of the Lord. It is something that's in our spirit, that's coming out back by the name of the Lord. And David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And David went up against the Philistine with a sling and a stone, but with the name of the Lord. One weapon David knew was the name of the Lord, Jehovah. Do we know the name of Jehovah in our lives? Do we know the name of the Lord in our lives? That when we speak that name, whether it's Jehovah Rophe, whether it's Jehovah Jireh, whether it's Jehovah Shama, whether it's Jehovah Rohi, we know that the shepherd, the warrior, the healer, the deliverer, the provider is backing us because we go in the name of the Lord. Let's prove our weapons. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. They're protected, and they have a place from which they can shoot their arrows at the enemy. The name of the Lord. Exodus 15.3 says the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Lord should be capitalized there, really, because it's, but it's a substitution. It's Jehovah. Jehovah is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. Our Lord is a man of war. Jehovah is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. He wants us to war with his name. And so we call upon the name of the Lord. Let's prove our weapons in God. 
You come to me with sword and spear and shield, but I come to you in the name above every other name. I come to you in the name of Jesus. No name higher, no name more powerful, and you can stand in the battle, and it doesn't matter what you're facing. You can fight your fears, and you can fight your emotions, and you can fight your circumstances and be protected by the name of the Lord and by the peace of God and know that he will cover you and carry you and lead your life. 1 Samuel 16, King Saul was under demonic pressure, spirit of oppression and depression. He was so oppressed and distressed and troubled in his personality and soul and spirit and mind that it was affecting his physical body and it made him sick at times. 1 Samuel 16, 14 to 15, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Now Saul had brought himself under some divine chastisement because he wasn't walking in obedience to the Lord. There was a waywardness in his heart. He wanted to run the kingdom on his own. He didn't want to surrender to the Lord. He was now in charge. And when you reject the Spirit of the Lord, and you know how gently he comes sometimes, and you can feel his presence, and you can hear his voice, when you reject the Spirit of the Lord, you open yourself up to an enemy spirit. There is only one other spirit, the spirit of the Lord or the spirit of the wicked one. And when we are disobedient and we reject the Lord and do not submit to his ways and to his voice in our lives, we open ourselves up. But listen, the good news is, even then we are not without means. There was still an answer for Saul. There was still some weaponry that was available that he could use, and he knew it. And so I say tonight, it doesn't matter what kind of a circumstance you may have gotten yourself into because of your waywardness and your disobedience to the Lord. You are not without hope. You are not without means. There are still weapons of war available for you. God didn't say, Saul, no weapon's going to help you now. No spiritual weapon's going to help you now. He could still draw on the weapons of the Lord. And so, verse 16 says, let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. You'll be healed. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Saul said, Saul said as well, not only the servants, he knew what the weapons were. He knew what would overcome the spirit of heaviness. He knew what would break the depression and oppression on his life and the turmoil of the enemy. He said, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor. He's proven the weapons of the Lord. 
a man of war. He's skillful in the situation, in the specific battle and strategy against him. He's prudent in speech. He knows the utterance of the Almighty. The word of God is on his lips. The scriptures pour out of him. And a handsome person, the beauty of the Lord, our God upon him, as well as a proper frame. And the Lord is with him. Verse 21, so David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. And David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that distressing spirit, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well. He'd heal up in the presence of the Lord, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. The weapons of God, the weapons of our warfare. I don't want to speak out of turn this evening, but they didn't call a mental health professional. They didn't call a doctor. They didn't even call a counselor, someone who could talk things over and talk things through. Saul, so, do you want us to get you a doctor? No, get me a worship warrior. Get me somebody who can pull the anointing of God down over my life and break the heaviness and break the darkness and break my thoughts and break my emotions and break my negativity. Get me a worship warrior. Get me an anointed minstrel. Can you hear me tonight? Can you hear the Spirit of God tonight? We run to this, and we run to that, and we run to the pill bottle, and we run to the internet, and we try to figure everything out. God says God is jealous over us. Get me a worship warrior. Get me somebody who knows how to use my name in warfare and call my name first. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Let's prove our weapons tonight, friends. Let's prove our weapons every day, every situation, because our God is mighty. Our God is mighty and ready to our defense and ready to our help. He will never leave us stranded. He wants to teach every generation how to war, how to war, how to war. Those that don't know how to war, God says, I'm leaving some enemies because I need to teach you how to war so you can overcome and you can win and you can prosper and you can establish my kingdom in your life and in your family and in the house of God and touch the world with the power of God. Worship team, come. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh not of human origin, not of human strength and understanding, 
We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What's a stronghold? Something that has a stronghold on you. Casting down arguments, anybody fighting in their mind with the Lord, being spiritual, world, what should I do? Who should I serve? Where should I walk? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's important, how important our obedience is. God says, when you walk before me with a perfect heart, when you walk before me with an obedient spirit, I will revenge and I will punish all disobedience and you will be free and you will walk in my victory. Hallelujah. Let's stand together tonight. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, the altars are open. If you'd like specific prayer, or if God's been dealing in an area of your life and you say, I need that battle to break, I'm going to prove my weapons in that area. I'm going to stand for the name of the Lord. Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, I'm too easily overcome. Man, things get me down. I get broken down so easily. I get oppressed and depressed. Listen. Prove your weapons. Test your weapons. The weapons of God will not fail you. Strengthen your weapons. Strengthen your spirit. Strengthen the word of God in your life. Strengthen your prayers. God doesn't want to see one young person fall to the enemy. He doesn't want to see one teenager in this church taken out by the enemy and fall to the flesh and fall to worldliness and fall to peer pressure. But he has to teach every individual person how to war. We can come around people, we pray for them, we example them, we take up our weapons, but in the end, every person has to learn how to dig wells and every person has to learn how to war. And let's pray over our children tonight, the battle they face. The enemy is against them. The enemy doesn't wait till somebody's 20 years old and then says, oh, I'll fight them now. He's against our children. He wanted to take out the babies as soon as they were born in Scripture because they had the life of God in them and the name of the Israel upon them. And we must be vigilant, and we must pray, and we must lift them up. And when we see them in battle, we come alongside them with the wisdom of God and the word of God. And we say, son, daughter, young person, listen, the way of the wise and the way of the fool. God sets before us life and death, blessing and cursing, good and evil. Follow the Lord, follow the Lord, follow the Lord. And we encourage, and we lift up, and we pray. Hallelujah. So tonight, let's, let's prove our weapons tonight. This week, every day, let's be careful what we say. Face the battle, face the circumstance, face some interpersonal pressure. Person gets in our face, what's coming out of our mouth?
First thing we do, call for the doctor. Call for the wellness. What's the number of the wellness place I got to get to? Again, I don't mean to speak out of turn, but our God is mighty on our behalf. As we heard this morning, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Hallelujah. Let's close out in worship tonight and surrender to the Lord.